Those things that you naturally feel empathy for, and there's plenty of things to choose from, and whatever that thing is, start small. And you can, you don't have to necessarily create this huge organization about it. I think people feel intimidated, like, I don't know, I want to do something, but I don't know what I can possibly do. So even if it's a little thing, it could be a tiny, tiny little simple seed that who knows what it could turn into. But if it's that thing that you can't get out of your mind, I think don't ignore it because that seed could really turn into this huge, massive thing that can be life-changing for other people. This is the Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. This week's episode is with Caitlin Crosby, founder and CEO of The Giving Keys. She's a mother, actress, musician, entrepreneur, and has been featured on Oprah's Super Soul 100, Ellen, and has given multiple TEDx talks. Caitlin's passion for helping others led her to employ homeless people to start making jewelry. Now, 10 years later, The Giving Keys has grown into a thriving fashion business and has helped over 100 of its employees transition out of homelessness. You're going to love hearing her story. Let's jump straight into it. I think first off, in talking about the giving keys, can you tell us a little bit about you, how you came to L.A. or whatever, yeah. just a little bit about your story? Sure. So I'm actually born and raised in L.A., which is rare. My parents were in the entertainment industry, and my mom, neither of them were Christian at all when they got married. Um, and my mom became a believer when I was little, and so I was raised going to church, and so going to youth group. And um, do you remember the band Lifehouse? They were yes. my youth group band. Yes. No, they Yeah, weren't. and so that definitely made me want to go to youth group because oh. <laughs> because the be lead singer, the Jason Wade, was so cute. <laughs> He's like, I'm falling even more in love with you. And all the teenage girls were like, yes, Jesus. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was, yeah. So I grew up going to youth group, and because that was my community, it was like everybody just wanted to change the world. And it was in Malibu. It was in the Malibu Vineyard. And we would just, I would go up to every single homeless person I saw. Um, I was just obsessed with helping people. And um, yeah, and I went to an all Jewish high school. I went to Beverly Hills High School and Calabasas High School. So I went to a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah every Saturday in seventh grade. I just, I love the whole Jewish tradition and um, Friday night uh, Shabbat dinners and the husband reading Proverbs 31 over their wife. And it's like so beautiful. Yeah. So I love um, other cultures and other religions and learning about it. I was a philosophy major in college. Um, and then I had a philosophy night at my house every week for probably two years. Um, and I would invite all my friends that had different um, faiths and religions and like Jewish, ex-Christian, Christian, Buddhist, ex-Buddhist, like everybody. And and we would just kind of read philosophy, the college philosophy books and hash it out and ask questions and people would debate. And um, But it was incredible and so interesting and fun. And um, yeah, so I love philosophy. I love, I've, I grew up, um, was in a girl band for five years um, oh. with Babyface. I don't know if 
babyface is a thing yeah. in Australia. But uh, yeah, so he put our girl band together. So he kind of taught me how to play guitar and write songs. And he would always push us in the best way to be clever in everything we want to say. That was his favorite word in writing. Like, but it can be more clever than that. It can be more clever than that. So it was years of kind of trying to fight for writing songs that I believed in about issues that I was passionate about. And uh, yeah, and then also grew up acting and did acting on and off forever. My dad manages actors and my mom was a model and an actress. So I just grew up around that. And I think because my dad managed so many successful people. I was around people that had so much money and privilege and fame, and I saw how it was not fulfilling for them. And so I think I was always so obsessed with what does fulfill people. So you said that you would write songs as a kid about homelessness and all of that. Would you say you always had a bent towards others and kind of noticing noticing the environment around you? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, Strong empathy, hey. Oh, yeah. I've always been bleeding heart. And that was actually the prayer I prayed my whole life. The only really, the only real consistent prayer I've prayed my whole life, which is, God, give me your heart for others. I want to feel what you feel for people. I want to feel what you feel. I want to, yeah. And so that's always been my favorite prayer. So whenever I would see people walk by, the street, if I'm driving or the grocery store, coffee, whatever, I was just like, my heart would just always feel so much love and compassion and empathy for the pain that they're feeling and whatever journey they're on in their life. And cool. um, and so I think even when I was younger, I would go up to um, hookers on the street and I was like, hi, let's be friends. What's your name? How did you get here? Do you want a hug? Let's be BFFs. Do you want to go to youth group with me? Or do you want to go to dinner? And, um, and we'd just like hug them and cry with them. And I would go to the back of strip clubs and just wait in the back and like wait for people to come out and just like hug and be their friend. And so I was always just obsessed with people's pain and their, and what, Maybe maybe they're stuck and what I could possibly do to be used to uh, be there for them or help them um, in some way. So, yeah. And my mom said when I was little, I would always she would always read me the book, The Giving Tree. And um, and it was about the tree just like constantly giving, giving, giving to this little boy. And that I would just have her read it to me over and over and over. And I would cry and cry and cry. And I was like, read it again, read it again. She's like, are you sure you're crying so much? But I was just so in love with that book. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So then for our listeners, can you maybe tell them a little bit about your day-to-day life at The Giving Keys and maybe explain a little bit about what it is now? And then we'll talk about how it started. So my day-to-day life now is going into the office every day, um, downtown LA in the arts district and still trying to learn how to be a boss. Cause I, cause I'm again, like that one that would just cry with people instead. And now running a business is really challenging. For instance, on Friday, I even practiced this with my husband and my friends. There was an attitude that I was picking up on a couple people in our finance department. And, and I, and I, I, I was afraid to say anything because I don't, confrontation is hard and I just want to love everyone and be, you know, good cop. And, uh, but I was like, I need, I need to say something and I want to learn how to be a good leader. And so I got all my courage on Friday and I even wore a collared shirt and I was prepared in my collared shirt thinking that maybe I could, like, it could help me, give me the courage. And honestly, all I had to say was one line. I had it practiced. I even practiced with a girlfriend on the way 
to work in the car, which was like, hey guys, that, you know, your tone, I really just want to make sure this is an environment here of respect and, you know, honor for others. Um, but instead I walked in and I just started crying. <laughs> And I, and I was like, I, you guys work so hard here. And I'm just so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful. There is something I'm going to talk to you about, but I just don't want you to feel like I don't appreciate all your hard work. And then I just start crying. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so that's pretty much every day, me just trying to figure out how to be a boss. And- so you oversee the Giving Keys. Yes. And I think you just celebrated 10 years. Is yes. that right? Yeah. And from what I understand, your keys are in several stores. Mm-hmm. They're around the world. It's got a pretty big reach at the yeah. moment. How did it start? Yeah. So, um, I was on tour for music and I had this website, Love Your Flaws, about body image issues. And so my merchandise tables had CDs and t-shirts and everything said Love Your Flaws on it and little keychains. And I was in New York and the hotel room key was a really cool big key. So I put it on my necklace and I was at a locksmith one day and the person in front of me got numbers engraved. And I was like, oh, do you have letters by any chance? Can you engrave Love Your Flaws on this key? Because <laughs> I was obsessed with that phrase and that whole topic at the time. So then I saw all these old used keys on the side and I said, oh, while you're at it, can you engrave hope, love, peace, fearless, believe, courage, brave, love, let go on all those other keys. How much would you charge me? So uh, I started making jewelry out of them and selling them on tour. And then they started selling out more than my CDs. And I was like, okay, well, thanks for coming to the show. <laughs> Buying these key necklaces. And uh, okay, bye. And uh, But I knew that people were really resonating with the words. And it was so inspiring. And I lo- that was my favorite part about tour was connecting with the people. I, I didn't like singing in front of people. That was so stressful. I would just rather hang out with them after the show and like, what's going on in your life? And they were, they were what, you know, what word should I get? I'm going through this. I'm getting, I'm going through this. Or I'm, I just lost my job. Or my mom's going through divorce. My mom has cancer. I just got dumped. I've been bullied. I'm depressed. What word should I get? And it was just like, oh, heaven, just being able to talk to these people and give them this like token that they could hold on to. And so little by little organically came up with, get the word that you need, but let's just not have it stop there. It's not just about us, it's about others. So embrace your word, own it, but then keep your eyes open to somebody you feel needs it more than you. And then I want to encourage you and challenge you to pass it on to them, pay it forward to them. So people started writing me on MySpace at the time, um, which dates it that it really was 10 years ago. <laughs> and uh, people started writing in to the to my MySpace saying, I just gave my key away to someone who's about to commit suicide. I just gave my fight key away to my mother who had cancer. And then she gave her fight key away to another woman in the cancer ward. And then, um, so I was like, I should make a website to store all these stories. So I did that and then started hustling and getting them into stores. But I knew I wanted the money to go to charity. And I, so I was waiting for the missing link for like a year. And one day I was leaving church and I, on Hollywood Boulevard, and I saw this young homeless couple. They lived in a dumpster in a cardboard box. And their name was Rob and Sarah. And they were holding up a sign that said, ugly, broke, and hungry. And I went up to them. And I wasn't thinking about the giving keys at all. Their sign just caught my eye. And um, I remember I had acting class that night. And I canceled. And I, I, I was like, can I take you guys to dinner? Are you, are you guys hungry? So we went to Kitchen 24 on Coenga. And I bought them dinner. And we just talked for hours. And... And again, with no motive, not a motive of like, let's start a social enterprise, you know, um, or like this could be a like strategic, you know, addition to the model. Like that's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. not at all what I was thinking. It was just yeah. like, let's share a meal. You're probably hungry. I'm so, yeah, I just want to connect as humans. 
And two hours into it, the girl said that she loved making jewelry. And I had my aha moment and I was like, you're the missing link to the giving keys. Do you guys want to be my business partners? And they were like, um, what? Okay. So the next day I went to the locksmith, bought the engraving equipment, went to Pet Boys, bought hammers, started paying this young homeless couple to engrave the positive words on the keys, on the street and alleyways. And then little by little, they start saving up enough money to stay in a motel. Then they saved up enough money to get their own apartment. And now fast forward, we've been able to employ over 100 people so far that are trying to transition out of homelessness by making everything. So that's that's like the long story of how it started. But in a nutshell, the mission is um, get a word that you feel like you need to own and embrace and then pass it on, pay it forward. And we employ people that are trying to transition out of homelessness to make all of our products and to transition and get promoted to doing um, uh, team captain leaders or customer service and all that good stuff. At what point did you realize this was going to be bigger than you thought? And what did you feel? I think when I started having to delegate jobs to people when I couldn't do everything by myself and being A, sad that I wasn't doing things that I used to do and having to learn to let go um, of whether it be the relationships with the store owners and trying to trust people that we hired. Um, And then when things would get out of hand and communication there was some broken communication or production chains were breaking or the class wasn't on well. And when whenever things kind of were getting messy and, and knowing that you have let go of so much and knowing how to handle that and, and, and still trying to figure out how to be a leader and how to lead well with love and grace, but still being professional. I, I, cause usually I'm, I, I just tell everybody, it's okay, you know, let's try hard, you know, it's, it's okay, it happens, yeah. you know, but I want, I, yeah. so that's been the hardest thing for me. One of the things I love is is that you do employ homeless people mm-hmm. and you do, um, it, you provide a way out for them. Can you speak to our listeners about the journey in that and those are your employees? And from what I understand, you you don't hire people that can get a job, you actually intentionally hire homeless people. Yeah. Um, that would require a lot of grace and a lot of patience. Can you just speak about that? And- sure. Um, yes, I, it's interesting. On one hand, when people have asked me, is it so hard and challenging to employ that demographic? Um, and <laughs> sometimes through certain seasons, my answer would be, yes, there has been challenging times, certain situations. Um, for instance, one woman that I love uh, so much that you never would have seen this coming, but she relapsed on really heavy drugs. And she was the sweetest woman in her 50s and just so sweet and sensitive and kind and hardworking, never missed a day. And then all of a sudden, days went by and she she didn't show up and we didn't hear anything. And we all thought the worst. She finally showed up one day and said what happened. And we ended up um, helping her get into this year-long rehab situation. And she graduated and started back work with us again. So we held her spot for her. But, and we brought in like trauma coaching for, for the staff and myself included because there was a whole week where we thought the worst. Um, and it just felt like, and I thought that maybe she had died, like leaving because the, the woman that she sits next to, they travel home on the same bus route and she was the last person that saw her. So my mind went to, 
oh, she probably got, you know, something really bad happened on her way home from work. And then it was like, oh, no, like the giving keys, like, was part of why this happened to her. And, you know, but that was one of very many, you know, stories. Like having to finally fire somebody who was one of my favorites. Um, And I just, there were so many things that so many people wanted to fire him. And I was like, we can't fire him. But then after like years of, there was a lot of progress, but then finally it was like, okay, this is not healthy for the whole team. Like I need to be fair and, and hold these boundaries and lines for everybody and can't keep giving him more chances, even though I'm like, but he's, but he's come so far. And that was oh so hard. And I mean, we even had someone show up one day years ago, who was one of, again, one of my favorites that had been with us for two to three years and showed up with a gun one day. So it's been hard. We'll get right back to the episode, brought to you by our Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference, which happens in Sydney, Australia, every November. It's for every kind of creative, whether you're a musician, singer, a graphic designer, architect, an audio engineer, or video editor. It's a place for the artists of the church to gather together, to worship, to be inspired and refreshed, and to be equipped and trained for your sphere of creativity. Find out more details at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. Now, let's get back to the episode. This is Caitlin Crosby, and these are my fantastic four. The last book I have read is The Happiest Toddler on the Block. (laughs) It's trying to teach my little boy how to not have temper tantrums and me to figure out how to make him not have them. (laughs) Didn't have to sleep. What I would do with the extra time is paint. Oh, my favorite fail moment is when I was a barista uh, in high school and it was my first week and a Backstreet Boy came in and (laughs) I made him three tries of the worst drinks ever because I was so nervous and shaking. And then I also burnt my boss's head with hot coffee. The title of the current chapter in my life is Stormy Season, But... I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Has there ever been a moment where you wanted to quit? Has there ever been a moment where you've actually gone, I'm building this thing, it's a lot larger than what I thought, it's easy, it's hard, it actually pulls on your heartstrings. Have you had a moment that you wanted to quit? And is there anything that you would say to our listeners about someone that finds himself in a similar situation? Yes, I've had many times. Not necessarily that I would want to quit, but just thinking like, okay, maybe I can try to scale this down (laughs) because what I felt like it has kind of, I know it's given so much to people in the world and that's why I could never allow that to happen. But what I feel like it has required of me and how much I feel like it's been challenging for me to be able to give energy, love, time, space, emotional, every spiritual, everything to my my husband and my baby and my family and myself. And like any kind of self-care was like out the window a while, a while ago um, because it was, it just felt, I, I was completely drained and completely, um, there's a new phrase that's been start, talked about. Is it called... Um, 
compassion fatigue. Have you heard about this? We have. It's yes. like a thing. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, someone just, a couple people brought it up to me in the last couple months and I was like, yes, that, <laughs> because I was always such a bleeding heart. And I think after trauma and, and uh, like legitimate trauma and that it's like my heart was getting seared and it, it just felt like the stress and the anxiety was taking away from the heart and the creativity and the othersness of it all. What did and, you do? I mean, to be honest, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm still kind of in it, but I'm kind of like I said about the, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I am really making time for self care um, and journaling a little bit more. And like we were talking about, earlier, um, gratitude, uh, gratitude lists. And, and, um, you know, when I drive into work, I do always listen to my Hillsong Spotify. This is not an ad, but it's really true. I really do <laughs> listen to this, the songs or even when I'm at the office while people I know don't like music in the area I sit, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to put it on anyway. Cause I need it. Um, just to ground me a little bit. Um, and, and just, prioritize and have those boundaries and say like, no, I need to leave. I can't stay longer. I need to go be with my son. Or I just made a new um, thing that's been great, which is um, uh, scheduling and time for emails when I'm at the office. So, and a rule that I'm off my phone when I'm with my little baby. And I definitely have not been sticking to that, but I just, but I, I'm definitely doing a lot better um, of turning my phone off that's been, oh, amazing. Turning your phone off and going to the beach. Oh, that's the full thing. That is just where it's at. I, I literally, and in those moments, I literally have thought to myself, oh, this is what life feels like. Well done. So yeah. Good job. You kind of just answered this, but what would be something you do that contributes significantly towards your well-being that maybe people wouldn't necessarily know about you? Which Ooh. maybe you answered already, but. This is not a light, a huge thing, but it's kind of a little tiny thing that I've added in the last couple months. It's helped significantly. Um, I was going to this therapist and, and there's a lot of things going on in my, with my family right now that are really severe, um, with my mom in particular and her health and, um, her physical health. And she's, my mom's in the process of going blind right now, but she, it's also a lot of other things that, come with that, that have come along with that, that have been really, 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 really hard. And so in talking to this counselor, he, he, and I was saying how I don't know how to process some of this and, you know, from going into work every day and being on and taking care of all, all these people when I go home and then feeling like I take care of brave. And then I put him to sleep and I feel comatose, like numb and like, I can't move (laughs) feelings. Um, he, and I don't want to put it all on my husband. So he's like, why don't, do you have like a girlfriend that you could call? And like one consistent person, like maybe every day on your way to work. So I've been doing that in the past two, three months. And I cannot tell you, I mean, you would think that's really not that like brain explosion, like genius idea, but I, I, I'm not a phone person as far as like talking on the phone. It's like, you know, you get in the habit of texting. And so I have been in the habit of texting and I usually don't like talking on the phone, but she and my friend who she runs a nonprofit with a lot of trauma attached to um, human sex trafficking. So we both have had similar, she's actually one of the ones that told me about compassion fatigue. Um, And so I call her and we set our intention for the day. And so sometimes our intention is one, one day that my intention was, I am a peaceful woman. 
And, um, and I remember how hard that was that day. All day long, I was like, man, this one's hard. Like, I, I keep trying to remind myself, I'm a peaceful woman. I was, But it was really interesting because I saw how much I am not a peaceful woman because <laughs> I was trying so hard to be. And then one day it was... Um, I was like, I want, I want to feel like I have authority because I usually don't, even though it's quote unquote my company. I like, I feel like I, I am trying to people please. Anyway, so it was like walk in your authority. So, and it, that that intention I set with my best friend was so amazing because it's like I almost I didn't haven't given myself permission to walk in that because I get trapped in the like taking care of everyone and like a a motherly loving role instead of like walking in this like strength that I forget about um and so that one was a good one and I could do that like it felt like a little bit like an acting role for a second but then I got into it I'm like no I'm not acting this is real like so that's been really really helpful just venting to her in the morning and then getting some wisdom from each other and then when I am with my husband and baby I don't feel like I have to vent stuff out because Mm -hmm. I already did it. Can you talk to us a little bit about maybe mission is the right word because anyone that speaks to you for longer than five seconds can tell you quite passionate about the work that you do. Mm-hmm. And this is this is more than just a job to you. It's kind of like your mission yeah. and it's your calling. Yeah. How did you discover that again, kind of with your empathy that you've talked about, but what would you say to people that are looking to find their mission in mm-hmm. life? Ooh, I love that. I think it's really following as far as when your heart, when you can't stop thinking about something, like this vision that you feel like, it's, it's different than just an idea that's like, it you know, comes and goes. But I think real vision is like something that you cannot get out of your, of your head. And honestly, I got reminded of it last night when I watched this movie, Eighth Grade, because it was all about teenagers. And it really kind of like awakened in me um, my passion for teenage girls and just youth and, or high schoolers and, you know, or girls in their twenties, whatever, dealing with insecurities. And I think because I have been doing Giving Keys for so long, I, I'm kind of in this routine, but I have forgotten about my heart and passion for girls and insecurities. And, and so watching that movie really awakened that in me. And I felt passion for the, fir- for the first time like that in a while. And I was like, I need to hold on to this feeling and know that this feeling I'm feeling is really important and means something and is kind of like, is, should guide me. And so I've been thinking about that and journaling about that and, and thinking of ways I could incorporate that into uh, my life. So yeah, so those things that, that you naturally feel empathy for. And I think if you don't naturally feel empathy, that's okay. We're all made differently and we all were raised in different ways and have different parents that have, you know, helped psychologically formed us in different ways. But I think it's like about praying that prayer, like, God, give me your heart for people. I want to feel what you feel for people. And, um, and challenge yourself and keep your eyes open for all the needs you see around you. Maybe it's someone that looks cold, you know, and then you, have, you give them a blanket or a jacket. Maybe it's someone who looks hungry, you buy them some food. Maybe it's somebody who looks depressed, whatever it is. Or maybe it's eating disorders, or maybe it's bullying, or maybe it's women that have gone through domestic abuse, abuse, or maybe whatever. There's so many issues and injustices in the world. So I think it's really about, A, if you don't naturally feel empathy, that's okay. You can 
you know, pray that prayer, keep your eyes open, and there's plenty of things to choose from. And whatever that thing is, start small. And you can, you don't have to necessarily create this huge organization about it. I think people feel intimidated, like, I don't know, I want to do something, but I don't know what I can possibly do. But it's like, you know, everyone has a birthday, so maybe throw a birthday party for that thing. And, you know, have your friends and family donate to blank cause instead of buying you a birthday present or whatever it is. There's just so many little things that you can do to follow that passion of helping people. What would you say to creatives that are listening that want to make a difference? Number one is listening to that gut spirit, that thing that's kind of gnawing at you that you're like, oh, what about, I know that thing. I know I keep thinking about that, but mm, I'm going to distract myself and do other things. Like, no, it's going to keep being there. It's going to be there. It'll probably be there forever unless you do something about it. So even if it's a little thing, it could be a tiny, tiny little simple seed that who knows what it could turn into. But if it's that thing that you can't get out of your mind, especially if it's a little thing, I think don't ignore it because that seed could really turn into this huge, massive thing that can be life-changing for other people. For instance, like this little idea of like wearing a key around my neck. Like, you would never think, you know, that it would be a big deal at all or that it would help anybody because it was just a word on a key. Do not ignore the little whispers and the little ideas. And um, one of the yeah. things you say on your website, or I think it maybe in one of your videos, you encourage people that they are enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And because obviously, you it's a passion of yours to help people feel like they are enough mm-hmm. through what you do. Mm-hmm. Is there any comment that you would have about actually helping people? to step forward, because that's that's kind of your whole business as you help people take a step forward. Yeah. To me, you're enough means you are lovable right now, just as you are with your past, your flaws, your failures, your imperfections, um, your fall downs. Um, you are enough and you are lovable to be loved by God, to be loved by yourself, to be loved by friends, family, partner. And you're enough and worthy to have strong and healthy boundaries for yourself to give you, to give yourself that self-care. And maybe the self-care is just like reading or something, you know, or journaling or listening to worship music or getting your nails done, whoever, who knows, you know, or walking on the beach. You are enough to be used in this world. You are, you are enough to give to others. Cause some people think that, oh, I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'm too this. I'm too that. Like, I can't do anything for other people. Like, look at me, look at my stuff. But it's like, no, like you and your brokenness and your flaws and your imperfections, that's so relatable and wonderful to be able to connect with other people. And so, and I think speaking for myself, like I feel like I'm not enough a lot. And I feel like I'm grateful that I have insecurities that I don't feel enough because I care about other people feeling enough because I want myself to feel enough um, and I want them to feel enough. And so I think for our a lot of our employees um, that have been homeless or transitioning through homelessness now, I'm like, you are so enough. It's okay that you did this. It's okay that you did this. You were raised in this way. Like your mother and father have done A, B, and C. Like you watched your father kill himself in front of you when you were nine years old. Like, of course you're going to have issues. Of course you're going to have anger issues. Of course you're going to have this. You are enough. You're enough to be on this team. You're enough to change other people's lives. You're enough to come up with your own business and your own nonprofit and your own 
blah, 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 because you're a human and you're beautiful and you're one of a kind and you're unique and you're inspiring and you're resilient. So you are enough to be able to change the world. Last question. What would your advice be if you could look back to your 15-year-old self, 15-year-old Caitlin, what would your advice be to her? My advice to my 15-year-old self would be, Caitlin, it's okay that you're a little quirky and with your acne and your braces um, and that you're uncomfortable around boys and (laughs) that... um, it's, it's okay that you're a little awkward because that's what makes you so lovable and special and unique. And you're going to use all of that to relate to other people and come up with creative projects to be able to help other people because you feel that way. But it's okay that you feel that way. It's going to be used for the greater good for others. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. To all of our listeners, this is Caitlin Crosby, founder of Giving Keys. Um, She's amazing. And we're really grateful to be partnering with you um, this year. And we're excited for what God's going to do through your business, through your initiative, through your heart. Um, We're looking forward to see how God uses you in the future, Caitlin. We hope you enjoyed that interview and pray that you're inspired and challenged in your own creativity. Next up is this week's story for the Psalms of Ascent. You can find out more at hillsong.com forward slash WCC and join with us in the 100-day creative challenge. I think for me, a season that I had where that whole idea of my trust being shaken was really put to the test was when I found out my dad was sick and he was really healthy and then gave it a bad report about his his health. Um, They said he had cancer and he had six months to live. Our family did this this whole journey of praying and believing and asking God to heal him. And my dad actually did pass away. He wasn't healed here, but what I learned in that season was that my trust in God could not be based on circumstances, on necessarily what I could see or the direction I thought something was going. It had to purely be put in who He is. In the Psalm that talks about His wraparound presence, it surrounds us and, and God is our protector and our shield. And I hung on to those parts of who God is because I was in a season where I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what was around the corner. I didn't know what the outcome would be. For me, what I learned through it, and even through having not the outcome that I would have desired, is that my trust in God, it cannot be based on circumstances, on what I see, on what I think will happen, but it actually has to completely be based on who He is, on His character, that He is who He says He is. Well, that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud. And I'd encourage you to do that so you can be a part of the journey with us. We'd love to hear from you too. So if you want to give us your comments, do that on our Instagram. It's at HillsongWCC. And we'll see you next time.